Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of Nature's Epion podcast. Uh, today, I thought I'd do an episode where, you know, it's probably not going to be that long because I don't got a lot to talk about today. But uh, I wanted to do like sort of like an episode for people that might be, you know, nothing better to do on the holidays. Maybe they ain't got a lot of family or, you know, a lot of loved ones around them. But, you know, they end up uh, bored or alone or, you know, just trying to distract themselves a little bit more around the holiday time. So I figured, you know, I'd probably put this episode out so it'd be around on Christmas Day. Uh, you know... Sometimes I like to put on like a nice podcast when I'm chilling at home alone, you know, don't really have a whole lot of people to talk to or whatever. And like, it kind of seems like there's like another person in the room or something like that. It helps kind of like curb loneliness. So I figured, you know, for the small amount of listeners of this podcast, I figured, you know, maybe, maybe some of those people are like that and, you know, it might be all right to like put out a little one, little, little cast the little podcast arena for uh some of those listeners and just a couple shout outs i like uh i noticed that there's some listeners uh west of wichita in the united states noticed there's some people out in dublin uh some people in um what is it i can't even remember um yeah but you know who you are and i see you on the analytics there and it's pretty cool that y'all listen in on me and have the, you know, that I occupy some of your time. It seems like you're regular listeners too, because you're not really dropping off the uh, analytics there. So, uh, yeah, just gonna crack a holiday beer, drinking some Keith. So, I figure we'll start talking about. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna do a rant about it's it's basically like you ever see Seinfeld that episode where George's dad he has Festivus it's a Festivus for the rest of us it's basically like an airing of grievances of like things you have problems with or issues you take issue with he's like I got a whole lot of problems with you people and you're all going to hear about it so, I don't know I love that episode it's classic he's got the Festivus pole instead of the tree <laughs> Oh fuck! But um, my my biggest it, so I'm gonna do like a news roundup. So I'm gonna pick up. I thought I'd start with this one because this one kind of bothered me. Maybe a part of it that bothered me was that I don't know much about it, so I kind of maybe made me feel feel like I was stupid or something. But um, you probably seen this article. I've seen this article come up many times now. Lots of different little news sites and you know, whatever, been covering it. But the gist of it, if you've seen the title of the article, it'll probably be something like quantum entangled tardigrade or in tardigrade, like the first ever quantum entangled um, animal, multicellular species, first time ever, like something like that, quantum entanglement and uh, quantum entangled tardigrade. It's probably like an article loosely worded like that in some way, shape or form. And the thing that pisses me off about this article was that it does this thing that so many other godforsaken like things in like the the natural world, like travel, like tourism and all that kind of junk do is that they'll take something that's kind of neat 
and they'll try to upsell it like it's something even greater than what it actually is. So the prime example I like to use is this thing in, uh, if you ever travel to Banff, Alberta, it's like a really cool destination in Canada to go check out all these like natural lakes and stuff like that. Well, there's this place called Mirror Lake and um, it's a hike up the mountain near Lake Louise and it's like the Beehive Trail. And when you get to it, you realize the thing's barely a goddamn pond or a puddle, let alone a lake. There ain't one goddamn fish in it. You can see the bottom of it. And they got the audacity and the nerve to call it a lake. I, it's like they're really trying to upsell you this on this thing. Because it would be much more like, I guess like, you'd be more awestruck by it if it was a lake. Like the concept of a lake in your mind, it paints a picture like, oh... There's a lake at the top of this mountain or halfway up this mountain. That's going to be cool. And you get up there, just like, it's a goddamn fucking puddle. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, one good avalanche might take that fucker out. And that's not even going to exist anymore. But, um, yeah, I don't know. They always try to upsell things. And, like, this is, like, I guess they're trying to get the clicks and the bait, like, the click bait, and they, they want it for the money and stuff like that, right? Like, they get the clicks, more clicks, more money. So they always want to they always want to upsell things, always want to upsell you on these uh, topics. And uh, I noticed they do that for, like, like uh, tourism. They'll do that a lot for, like, natural tourism. Uh, my buddies always like to make the joke, because I always talk about this, and it really, like, it's like my festivus. I always go off. I'm like, they always, they always upsell this shit. I'm like, it's not a, we go to like a waterfall. We go to like something called like something falls. I don't even know which one it is. I can't remember, but we get there. It ain't a fucking waterfall. It ain't even fucking close to it. You would be better off calling it a river. Like and my friends were always like, what? It's not a falls. What is it more like a babbling brook? And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, it is more like a babbling brook or like a cascade. And then they're just, they're just taking the piss out of it. But I'm just like, this is, this isn't what I visualize in my head. This wasn't what I bought when I was sold it. Okay. And that's why, and I can't get a goddamn fucking refund on life experiences. So I'm going to vent and I'm going to bitch and complain and nobody's going to listen, but they're going to have a little bit of a fucking laugh at it. So as long as, as long as somebody's happy, you know? Never mind those, but those was like, those, like those experiences are still great. Even if it's, you kind of, you know, they try to, you get cut off, you get to pull the rug from under your feet on your expectations. But you know, I've had some really great times with the people that I spent that with. So I wouldn't trade those memories for gold. But anyway, like this quantum entanglement is tardigrade. So I don't know if you're familiar with tardigrades, but basically they're these really fucking tiny, tiny, tiny like microorganisms they they kind of briefly showed them in that marvel movie ant-man where the guy you know he's phoebe's ex-boyfriend or whoever he is i can't even remember his name um he, you know he shrinks down and he they kind of like show him like swimming past the tardigrades and stuff like that and they're like kind of like these like caterpillar they're also called like water bears i think is what they call them Anyway, if you if you cared enough about that one little scene, they basically give the tardigrades a little cameo when he goes down into the quantum realm. So they're kind of like they're known for being the most hardiest species that we can like really know. They can like basically stay next to dead, like in hibernation for like decades. 
they live in like the most extreme environments that we have here on earth they probably put them in space or some shit who knows they're probably there's probably space tardigrades at this point probably living on the moon i don't know but anyway this it was basically saying we like these scientists they basically made this thing the first quantum animal the first multicellular animal or like whatever to go quantum and for anyone who doesn't know what quantum mechanics is i don't blame you because i don't fucking get it either and like one of the things about quantum mechanics is like what most like people that study that should say is like anyone who says they understand quantum mechanics is lying because i guess like the study of it is kind of to like unravel what the fuck but basically quantum is study of the super 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 fucking small and when you get really small i guess the like the parameters of physics kind of like break down things don't really happen the way we would want them to happen but i don't know maybe our ability to measure them is also just kind of like in question at that point as well so anyway they say this thing went quantum uh i've read more things that have been criticizing it and i'm kind of leaning towards the side of that it didn't actually go quantum or quantum entangled specifically and the reason for that the biggest like criticism of that was that it doesn't measure the quantum properties of the tardigrade itself so it's kind of like i think it was measuring other things that the that the tardigrade was interacting with so i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about as just like a precursor to like me talking about this so take everything i say with a grain of salt because i don't fucking know and anything i do know it's going to be at a very like surface basic knowledge level i haven't studied this in any way i'm basically a moron so there's these things called qubits and what a qubit is it's basically a unit of quantum information. It's like a bit, like a pixel, I guess, or, you know, like an atom. I don't know what the fuck exactly, but it's like a qubit is basic, a basic unit of quantum information. So it's like a way they measure quantum stuff, I suppose. I don't know. I'm guessing. That's what I think it means. So they had these two qubits, you know, and they're, I guess one is the control, and then they have one that's quantum entangled, and then they have the they placed the tardigrade on top of the qubit and when they did that the they said oh look when we place the tardigrade on that qubit it changed the frequency of it uh slightly and because its frequency changed this means that this was a state of quantum entanglement now there's i think i was reading there was some debate over whether or not this is like like real entanglement or is this like surface level entangled like i don't know i don't know shit about it i'm not a fucking scientist i'm not i'm barely smart enough to open my own can of beer for fuck's sake so i i don't really know but um it changed the frequency of it and they think i guess it meant the tardigrade was quantum entangled with the qubit but like i said earlier the issue with that is that it doesn't measure the actual quantum properties of the tardigrade itself so it's disputable right so i don't know this is like another one of my 
is one of my grievances for the Festivus. That tardigrade wasn't quantumly entangled. You're just trying to write a cool article and you're just trying to get noticed in the science community. And that basically means you're pretty much just an asshole. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, it's, a, it's a start, you know. It's a start at, like, hopefully the next time they do this experiment, they, if they can, I don't even know if they can. This is probably a tall order. But measuring the quantum, quantum properties of a tardigrade, that's like a multicellular species, so good fucking luck with that. <sighs> yeah, so that's, that's the first... Uh, that's the first topic of this evening on this uh, post-Christmas special. Because episode 10 was uh, the Christmas special. But uh, by all accounts, that episode was complete dog shit. Uh, myself and everyone involved in that included. It could have been a lot better. But uh, we didn't have a lot of time to prepare. People were tired. People were about to go on their like little Christmas vacations and stuff like that beforehand so it was kind of rushed ill prepared it was supposed to be a big fucking deal because originally the podcast had only wanted to go to 10 episodes or was only gonna pilot 10 episodes because um apparently there's like 2 million podcasts or something maybe even more than that but 75% of them only ever go to like 10 episodes and most of them fizzle out and die after 10 episodes and I see why because um I don't know, you gotta really just enjoy talking shit on a microphone to, like, potentially nobody for a long period of time before somebody tunes in and starts listening. And if you're not particularly interesting or funny like myself, then no one's gonna listen, but I figure I'm just gonna keep doing this because I got nothing better to do. And I actually kind of enjoy doing it. I like reading about stuff. Stuff always interests me anyway, so I'm just here talking shit about stuff I love, stuff that interests me. Try to put it into like the most layman's terms possible to just get a better understanding of it. But uh, another news article you probably would have seen this week would have been uh, uh, this one about a deep sea fish with a transparent head caught on camera first time. You know what? I can appreciate this one because it's straightforward to the point. It's exactly what it says it was, right? There's no fucking, they're not beating around the bush. It's pretty cool. So, um, uh, you should probably Google this and check it out. It's a pretty cool looking fish. Uh, it's a, it's a barrel eye fish. I didn't know what the fuck that was until I read this article. So you probably don't know what the fuck it is either. And then, uh, it was originally described in, uh, 1939, which is kind of cool, but that's a fucking bit ago by uh, Wilbert Chapman. So I guess, I don't know what they did back then, but they probably just dropped these massive fucking nets to the bottom of the ocean and just pulled whatever the fuck up they could from them. And they probably found these stupid little, you know, barrel eye fish with the visible heads. But um, it lives in the twilight zone of like the ocean, so that's two hundred to six thousand feet below. <laughs> oh, sorry, I've been drinking. I've been <laughs> so that's like two to six thousand feet below the surface. There, they uh, took a picture of it with like uh, one of those. I guess I think it was like a remote operated submarine. I think it was off the coast of California. I'm not 100% sure. I can't really remember. I'm trying to go off the top of my head here. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's pretty interesting looking. And, like, you can see, like, all through its head and stuff. It's pretty fucking cool. It's like a something you'd see on, like, an alien planet. 
And that's kind of like one of the things I always thought about. It's like we're already like, and I'm totally pro space. I'm all about moving in the space and colonies and Mars and all that stuff. I love it. Uh, But uh, much of our planet, it's like what, 70% water. And most of that, I think it's like 80% is like not like they haven't like investigated it or looked at it. So basically our earth is still very alien to us and there's a lot to like discover in the ocean and the technology to traverse the ocean uh, hasn't been well developed or, you know, exists greatly. So that's like, like our own planet is still alien to us. It's still an alien planet. Like the ocean world is an alien planet. Our water planet is very alien to us. And if you want to look at submarines as spaceships, it's like, Okay, so our spaceships pretty much suck dog dick for going and looking at them because they'll burst at like 6,000 feet or 10,000 feet or whatever it is. So I don't know, maybe we could have a better development into like technology for looking into the stuff on the bottom of the ocean, you know, and discovering some really cool stuff down there. Who knows like what could come from there? Like, like research and science into the natural world is very important because in a lot of ways, a lot of our medicine, a lot of like, you know, I don't know, like instruments and tools kind of come from research of it. And like, eventually the next like uh, field of like science that I think will really help humanity will be kind of like genetics and like looking at and having like a very wide, broad range of all these different like species and all the things that they've developed over time and really like you know learning the genome and like mastering it to like perfection and then being able to put that into any species or you know if i wanted to see through head like this fish maybe i can get that one day you know not and like maybe there would be like some sort of like evolutionary advantage to that because then you could see i mean by then you could probably gene edit out any kind of diseases and stuff but you could see like if there was like a tumor growing or something right like i don't know I mean, having a see-through head would be pretty fucking weird, but, I mean, if everybody did, it'd be normal. Be like a telepath or something, like one of those black brains from uh, the X-Men where they have, like, I can't remember, but it's like they're, like, psychic or something. Yeah, I read some comic books sometimes now and then. That's in uh, Jonathan Hickman's X-Men there. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's cool fish. It's nice to see that they're kind of like, it's not the, it was already described once, but it's nice to see that we're kind of like discovering things and seeing things, especially when there's so many extinctions happening and stuff like that happening around the world with so many different species. So it's kind of cool that we still, you know, catch a, catch some new ones or some not so oftenly seen ones, but, um, what else? Oh, just recently, I don't know, I saw this on Wikipedia the other day. I was had the Wikipedia open there. And uh, you remember that fish that they thought was extinct for like 8 million years? It was called a, like a coelacanth. It was like the anniversary of them discovering it for the first time a few years back. It was like, I guess they discovered that in December. So yeah, another... My memory's getting terrible. forget what it's called when there's like an extinct animal but uh 
they find it again. Oh, Lazarus, that's it. It's called a Lazarus species. It's when they uh, find that it's still alive. And when it once was thought extinct and there's something like, there's something like very like romantic and like endearing about that because it's kind of like, you know, you thought it was dead and it's not quite dead. It's been brought back. And whenever these kind of discoveries are made in like, you know, the natural world of sciences and stuff like that, it always seems to uh, hit like viral levels, right? So I think that's why a lot of people are really motivated to see if they can find the uh, Tasmanian tiger, if they can do that again. But uh, yeah, Tasmanian tiger would be pretty cool. That'd be probably the most like romanticized species to come back from the grave would be that one. Or maybe the dodo, maybe that's second to the dodo bird. Uh, another news article. What do we got here? We got, we, they discovered a millipede. Now here's a, here's another thing you could put on the Festivus list. Did you know no millipede is actually true to its moniker? So the word Milla translates to the word thousand because it's supposed to suggest that the millipede has a thousand feet, but until now, there had never been a millipede ever discovered with a thousand feet. But this millipede changes it all. This is actually pretty fucking cool because it wasn't a fossil. I thought it was a fossil at first when I was first reading this fucking uh, article, but apparently this they found this alive cocksucker. Like, could you... Apparently it's fucking huge. But, like, uh, so they found... so. It was discovered in Australia by like a mining company. They were like digging like a hole down and in, deep into the earth and they found it like 200 feet below the surface. So that's fucking deep. Like shit is crawling around 200 feet below the surface. What in the fuck is it doing down there? Like nothing even lives down there, but there is apparently because it's eating crap. What the fuck is it eating? Like, I don't know. I guess there's like little bugs and shit. Anyway, it got fucking big enough to grow a thousand feet. So it's the first millipede discovered, and it had 1,306 feet. So not only did it reach the namesake, it fucking blew right past it, boys. Fucking destroyed that namesake. So, uh, and I guess they named this millipede the Persephone millipede after the goddess of the underworld. I like the name Persephone. I think that's a pretty fucking cool name. It doesn't even look like the, the way it's spelled doesn't look like Persephone at all. It looks like percept phone or something i think that name sounds pretty but apparently she's like the goddess or the guardian of the underworld which i guess makes sense because this fucking thing was pretty much right on the surface of the underworld or on the edge of it or whatever 200 feet below the surface crazy as shit so yeah that goes kind of like back into the old topic the last topic i was just talking about with the deep sea fish with the transparent head the uh discover another species fucking cool man like it's nice to see that you know this world's still alien to us in a lot of ways below the surface uh yeah i don't know not a whole lot to talk about that but goddamn creepy crawlers they be hiding out everywhere so another article i came across was there's these robotic cock blocking fish uh, they're not actually robotic clock bollock and fishes. They're actually, uh, so what these, this is like a cool thing where like scientists 
and like robotics and kind of like a lot of the way like technology and the unnatural world is sort of benefiting or trying to help the natural world that it seems to sort of step on so often so it's kind of nice to see stories or efforts where where they're trying to you know benefit the natural world that they step on so much so the story behind this one is that it's a robotic fish you know they made it look like a big mouth bass and it's pretty cool they programmed it to like mimic it's the movements of that fish and stuff like that um and the reason they made it was that they wanted to fight the uh the eastern mosquito fish so this is this is a complex problem okay so in a lot of places they introduced this fish called the eastern mosquito fish um the reason they introduced it into these places that it wasn't native to was because there was really fucking terrible mosquito problems down there and there was a lot of um you know, mosquito-borne illnesses that were fucking people up, like, you know, malaria, Zika, like, all these, like, horrible things that come from mosquitoes, that they spread by mosquitoes, and they're like, okay, well, we have this fish that's found in this part of the world, it likes to eat fucking mosquito larvae and shit, if we put them in the fucking water, then they'll, you know, they'll curb the mosquito population, that was the thought behind the process, if it was successful or not, I don't know, it probably was to some extent, it probably did lower the populations, but anyway, introducing this eastern mosquito fish caused another set of problems. These fucking fish like to nibble on the tails of local species of fish and tadpoles, basically fucking them up till they die. Um, so they had to find a way to curb the growth and development of these mosquito fish. So what they decided, what the research team on this was deciding to do was that if we make a robotic fish that is like a natural predator to some of these mosquito fish, like the big mouth bass, we may be able to, you know, program it to occupy certain areas so that it'll scare off the mosquito fish and sensitive like breeding grounds for like tadpoles and frogs and stuff like that or for other species of fish. Um, they haven't done this in the actual wild yet. This is just done in kind of like testing fish tanks and stuff like that. So I figure translating that into the actual wild with these robotic fish might be like a lot more difficult because obviously you have to have these robots probably either maintenance or checked on routinely. You know, they could be adding to pollution in the water. They could also be scaring maybe the mating and behavioral habits of other things nearby. Uh, maybe other things that prey on like fish or like big mouth bass will prey on these things like birds and they'll eat it and they'll eat the fucking robot fish and die. Um, so what they noticed in their studies though was that um, they, uh, they would program it basically when they would go to attack tadpoles that this fucking bass would like activate and go to attack the, the mosquito fish. And what happened was that they noticed that these mosquito fish became like slimmer. They would develop stronger like tail muscles or fatter tail muscles to like sort of evade predators. And they, they noticed that they lost weight, like body mass. So they're thinking, you know, with the stress of having a constant predator around, maybe this will impact their breeding habits or their breeding cycle. So that, that was what our study showed. And they hope that maybe that can translate. 
But I'm when I read that, I was like, fuck, what if they just make like super mosquito fish that are just like super evasive of predators and just like like instead of just like a bunch of like lazy fat like mosquito fish maybe they just get like a bunch of like giga chad friggin like super fish that just can't even be killed now (laughs) this is like keeps continuing the backfire but um yeah i don't know uh these are always like these complex like situations like we have one we always try to solve a problem with an by introducing another problem this is what it seems like it happens in conservation like all the time it's like there isn't enough like thinking outside the box or forethought to see what the ramifications will be from the actual problem so like you know they have over mosquitoes as a problem so it's like well let's introduce this like other species that's not native to here to help curb the problem it's like oh okay this new species is now like an invasive species it's affecting the the native species around here so now we got another problem and then it's like okay how are we going to fix this problem hmm. it's like <laughs> robots <laughs> it's but i don't know if that's gonna actually be effective or not eh. it seems kind of like too hopeful but uh yeah that's all i gotta that's all i gotta say about that but uh there's a my buddy sent me an article today it's about a seed bot it's like a little seed robot kind of looks like a baby seal kind of it's got these little like flippers on it to help it go through the uh they go through this like the desert and the, the travel like on top of sand so basically what this thing does is during the day it uses its solar panels to like absorb the sun and charge up and then at night it paddles its ass around the fucking desert and it like surveys the like the desert for like i guess moisture i don't know if it surveys for like chemical compound or like nutrient compounds but if they don't that's probably a way they could improve it but um it surveys the ground and then it determines whether or not that ground is like suitable enough to plant a seed in it or not and if it's suitable enough it plants a seed and then it just carries the fuck on with whatever it's doing so it sends the information away it like i guess it's got like a gps or something it sends up to like the satellite or back to somebody's phone or command center and it says like you know, here's the information about the land and the kind of seed that I planted, this and that. And then, you know, so this is this is cool because it's like it's trying to like, so like deserts are like a big problem in that they're usually caused from like overuse of the land, improper use of the land, like like just like taking all the nutrients out of it, just killing all the soil. So, you know, and these deserts are getting bigger and bigger. So, you know, you got to kind of like, breed life back into it some way and it's cool like so this kind of like connects with the last thing is like you know the technological world helping the natural world you know and trying to like you know breed life back into something it stepped on already right so um yeah i don't know i kind of like the seed bot it's a cool idea i don't know how effective or practical it is but it's like an honest good-hearted well-intended nature like uh advancement by people right like they did this with like the best of intentions and like you know their hearts in the right place so you can't knock anybody for that because all the stuff people are doing you know they're doing with the hopefully with the best intentions who knows if there's something like you know in the dark about what they really want to do but um yeah i don't know see by looks pretty fucking cute give it a little google there maybe you'll find it the one i'm talking about kind of looks like a sea lion not really like a robot version of it like a wally like what Wally would look like if he was uh, like for that Pixar movie, 
what he would look like if he was like a baby sea lion like you know like a junkie kind of like scope eyes like i don't know he's got like some like he's got like paddle arms like he should be in the water but he's on sand i don't know i think it's pretty cool it's a nice little seed bot planting some trees and stuff um I got like one more topic to talk about, but it might be kind of long-winded and I might really get into it, but this one's kind of interesting. Like, I, I like talking about this shit. I think a lot of you might actually like it too, but um, it's about new Pangea. So most of you are probably familiar with Pangea because it's kind of one of those fascinating things to learn about. So Pangea was a supercontinent that didn't have any large oceans separating it. It was just like one giant solid landmass. And they think this was the landmass that existed before they all broke up to form all the continents we have today. Um, but we're separated over time through like plate tectonics. That's Pangea. So Pangea is like this like first earth idea type shit. It's a really cool like concept and idea and it's like kind of romanticized a bit in literature and you know uh like fiction and stuff like that sci-fi and all that kind of junk but um it's not junk it's but you know what i mean um so what is new pangea like that's pangea but what is new pangea so New Pangea is kind of like this concept that instead of having the world connected by like all its like major continents being one solid landmass, it's that so there was no bridge before like separating all the like flora and fauna. Everything was connected, but now the bridge this time because there's like big you know, things of water separating us called oceans is that, um, this time the bridge is us like people, people are, uh, you know, displacing species and, you know, introducing invasive ones through different ways. And like some of these ways are like, um, very unsuspecting and we don't even know we're doing it. So let's, we all like to travel. We travel different places. We go check it out. But sometimes, you know, you can have some debris and stuff stuck in your boots or your shoes. And you don't really pay mind to it or attention to it. But, like, in this little bit of, like, in your hiking boots, maybe there's a little cluster of dirt kind of caught in, like, the one of the little, you know, treads. And then uh, in that little cluster, maybe there's a couple seeds. Maybe some, like, insect eggs. You know, oh, who knows, you know, it's whatever. It's very small. Then you put those hiking boots on in some place you never hiked before. And then you dislodge it. And then that's all it takes. And this whatever seed you had in there was maybe something that's super successful, super invasive. And it just starts fucking growing. And growing and growing and growing and spreading and spreading and spreading. As they say in Jurassic Park, was nature will find a way. Or is it? Life will find a way. I can't remember. But, um... Yeah, so... Where was I? So this idea of New Pangea is basically like... Um... It's 
essentially allowing for the most invasive and adapted flora and fauna to replace the most delicate and sensitive flora and fauna, eliminating the unique species that have evolved since then. And it's kind of given rise to a concept called global homogenization of only the most adaptive species. So kind of like the original Pangea, it's like everything is kind of like if there's grass, there's only going to be one grass. It's going to be the most adaptive, most like and like best at surviving and spreading and reproducing and all these like more delicate grass that kind of like evolved in like unique climates or unique eco niches will just kind of be like cast to the side and just basically eroded or killed or eliminated it's a it's a sad thing you know it's uh we don't pay much mind to it either but um global analysis of plant diversity is growing increasingly uniform even in isolated isolated locations like australia um i think what was i reading about it was like well so Isolated nations are home to many unique uh, endemic species. And, be- and because of these life forms like evolve to specific ecological niches, they don't adapt quickly to fast to a, like a fast changing world. They're, you know, very set in their ways and they ain't willing to change. And so with Australia, we have these, I think it's like a blackberry problem. Um, these bushes, they grow, um, they're like an invasive plant. Um, Australia's got like a big problem with invasive plants. I think they got like over like a few thousand and there's like 20 more each year recorded added to the list. Um, these plants, they're kind of problematic because they can provide food or shelter to other species more predominantly than others or food sources to others. So like, let's say you have like a mole that can't eat these blackberries, but then you have like this fucking shit hawk that's can eat these berries. And now it's got like this other ample food source and this blackberry bush is taking away the food from the moles and the voles and the shrews and whatever else is there. And you know, the shit hawk is now not only eating all these little rodents, but it's also eating the blackberries. And it's just like, it's giving it a competitive edge that it didn't really need because it was kind of balanced before that and now it's not balanced anymore. So what I'm trying to say is humans have collapsed the distance between the eco-regions worldwide. And, uh, you know, we've circumvented these natural barriers with boats and planes and poor natural resource and conservation protection policies and practices. And I don't know, maybe we need to step up our shit, guys. You know, get a little bit more protective of the environment. You know, if you want the world to remain unique and strange and different and not be so uniform, like, how disappointing would it be if you, you know, you you went to, like, Egypt or Japan, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, uh, you know, England, and you go to see, like, the outdoors and all of the trees, all of the grasses, and all of the animals, or more or less the same and you're not really getting in a unique experience you know maybe that won't happen very fast and probably won't happen in our lifetimes but 
you know, for like our children or, you know, our children's children, maybe it'll be closer to something like that. And I don't know, like the key to like a lot of um, discovery has to do with diversity. I've talked about it before on this podcast, but having a wide variety of biological things is good. Like a lot of, a lot of uh, good medicine has come from like plants, you know, and it just so happens like rare plants seem to tend to have certain compounds and stuff that's very good for us, certain animals. Um, like, I don't know, I think like, like, like crab blood has been used to like develop vaccines i think like i don't know there's like a certain like rare tree that was used to develop like chemotherapy like which i'm I'm not not really that big of a supporter for chemotherapy but like i don't know like my mom took it um if i ever had cancer i'd probably take it but it's just like um it's a it's a very harsh treatment right and it, it almost seems archaic in nature and it's sad that it's the best thing we got going is you know i kind of hope we get better treatments for cancer and stuff like that in the future but for now as archaic it it seems it's the best thing going in terms of treatment with radiation so it's kind of like without these like unique trees that you know chemo was derived from we wouldn't even have that. So it's like there's importance to preserving things because we don't know how important it is until like that discovery is made or until there's a need for that discovery to be made. We don't know what kind of diseases or uh, ailments we might face in the future as a species, but the keys to answering those may exist somewhere in the natural world or a derivative of it in the natural world to study so it's good to keep everything try to preserve as much as possible i think yeah but yeah that's i guess a little bit more uh disheartening of a new pangea discussion but you know we gotta pick up the conservation efforts on some of these things they're important it doesn't seem like it's important because it just seems like you know humans will and it's probably true humans will survive we're very good at adapting we're very good at surviving we'll probably at some point go beyond the planet earth but i mean if we become the we are the top of the food chain and i think as being as something at top of the food chain it it's it should be considered our duty to kind of look out for the rest of the food chain if you're going to be at the top and you're going to be irresponsible, I don't know, maybe we don't have any business being at the top then, right? If um, we have the brains developed for it more than any other animal on this planet, we have the ingenuity and the creativity, the knowledge and the know-how and the resources more than any other species on this planet. So, I mean... If we look at this planet as being like our home and we're all earthlings from the smallest ant to the smallest microbe to the largest animals to the most delicate of plants to the most sturdiest of trees you know if we're at the top well maybe we need to kind of look out for the all earthlings you know it's kind of a kind of a way i never really considered or thought about it before but 
you know, we're all earthlings. We're all on the same earth. So where we're born and bred. It's the only place, it's the only home we know. I think that's a good spot to end this up podcast. We're about at the 40 minute mark. I just want to thank everybody for who listens to this for tuning on in. Uh, I remember that other country that tuned in now is Belgium. Shout out to those guys and Bel- guys or girls in Belgium. See ya. Definitely noticing ya. Uh, yeah, if you want to help support me, you know, following and rating and liking these things on Spotify and hitting the notification bell definitely helps. Um, sharing it with friends that have similar interests to you. You know, obviously not all these podcasts are bangers and not all that great, but some of them are all right. I think this one might be all right. So if you want to share this one, go ahead and do so. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just share with people with similar interests, you know, biology, nature, uh, space sometimes gets in there. Sometimes you throw in the paranormal because the paranormal is fun as fuck. I don't care what anybody says. It's a good thought experiment, a way to keep the brain on its toes. Uh... You can check me out on Instagram at Epion Explores. That's E-P-Y-O-N-E-X-P-L-O-R-E-S. Yeah, you can give me a little follow on there. I like to do a little bit of wildlife photography here and there, some nature photography. If you're into kind of seeing that stuff, you know, give it a little check it out. I'm also kind of looking for anyone that is like a wildlife photographer and wildlife photography to you know, come on the podcast and discuss, you know, the hobby, the craft. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If uh, you know anyone that does anything interesting or outdoorsy and wants to come on the podcast, I wouldn't mind having them on, doing a little interview. And that's uh, that's about it. All right, guys. I hope you have a Merry Christmas, and I hope you have a Happy New Year. I don't know if I'll have another one out by the New Year. I probably will. Maybe I won't. I don't know. We'll have to see how things go. All right, signing off, guys. Cheerio.